finding and targeting their ideal customers at scale. I'm your host, Monique Ruiz, and for this month's episode, we are discussing what it means to be customer-centric. It's a pretty broad topic, but it's one at the core of what all companies strive to achieve. You want to know what it takes to make those that purchase your products and employ your services happy? Well, keep listening. And two of our guests, Tim Truel and Sean Rogers from the ad agency Lavage, will share those tips with you. But first, I'll be joined by Jeff Bickle, the SVP of Customer Success here at Claritas. You'll recognize him from an episode of the podcast that released two years ago called Measuring Success in an Omnichannel World, which I'll go ahead and link that in the show notes for you. Today, I have him on to chat with me a little bit more about how his team here at Claritas has helped our clients achieve success by embodying customer centricity. The the behind-the-scenes things that customers don't see, like identity graphs and leveraging segmentation, even new and evolving consumer targeting practices. So how about we go ahead and get into this episode, because I have a feeling it's going to be a really good one. Jeff, how are you? Welcome back to the Marketing Insider. I am great, Monique. It is a pleasure to be with you once again. Yes, I have a uh, hard time believing that it's been two years since you were on the podcast, and I thought for sure it had been less than a year, but I checked, and it was July of 2019 that we released our last episode together. Wow. Yeah, that is. <laughs> it, it did seem like last year, but then yeah. last year was kind of a blur. <laughs> it really is. So even though time is sort of slipping through that hourglass at a rate that I'm not personally prepared for, can you go ahead and remind our listeners as to what your role here at Claritas entails so they can just get a better sense of your expertise? Yeah. Um, As you mentioned, I am the Senior Vice President for Customer Success at Claritas. And at Claritas, that encompasses a number of different things. So the, the folks who are part of my group, Um, work on analytics, work on delivery of campaigns, um, and work on um, really the the breadth of all Claritas deliverables. So for us, maintaining relationship and the satisfaction um, of of our clients is really critical. Yeah, and So Claritas is known for helping companies find their best customers, but we don't just help them identify those coveted best customers. We we also help them deliver relevant messages to them, and then that ultimately drives them to some sort of intended action. And along the way, we optimize those engagements so adjustments can be made to ensure that we're measuring success and not seeing failures. But knowing all of that, what would you say it means to be customer centric, especially in today's environment? Uh, in, in today's environment, putting the customer at the center means prioritizing customers over any other factor mm-hmm. in making decisions about brands and products, platforms and messaging. Uh, it really requires a deep understanding of who your customers are, how they interact with your brand and the marketplace in general, and what type of contextual signals they may be sending. Yeah, definitely. And now we own and manage something called an identity graph, and that plays a big part in helping our clients focus on their best customers or best prospects 
both with gaining and retaining their loyalty and seeing their business grow over time. Can you give a quick overview as to how identity graphs fit into this concept of being customer centric and how they've advanced over time? Sure. Uh, identity graphs are powerful tools for brands taking a customer centric approach because they put all the different types of information that are available about consumers or customers together in one place. Mm -hmm. And a broad-based identity graph, like the one that Claritas employs, allows marketers to understand how their customers compare to consumers in general, finding patterns and opportunities to build their brand. Um, and in terms of how they've advanced over time, identity graphs have evolved over the last five, 10 years and out of necessity, will continue to do so. Right. A graph that's out of date uh, or full of inaccurate data is more than just unhelpful. It could actually damage a brand if it's used. So identity graphs have to constantly update and clean their data. So as an example, um, we just went through a major deduplication project on our graph, and certainly not an easy task, one that took us several months to complete, but it was vital for us to ensure accuracy by doing that kind of cleanup. Yeah, and whenever you talk about consumer targeting or identity graphs, questions over privacy usually are not too far behind. And lately we've seen a lot in the news about both the cookie-less future and consumers gaining more control over their privacy with some of the stricter regulations that are being put into place. And things have already changed so much for marketers and even just the, the 10 months since we've had a privacy-focused episode of this podcast. But what does this whole cookie, quote-unquote, apocalypse mean for marketers? Yeah, the cookie apocalypse is definitely upon us. Um, following Safari and Firefox, Google's Chrome browser will phase out collection of third-party cookies very, very soon. Um, Apple created the IDFA as a cookie alternative, but they're already moving away from that. <laughs> and um, privacy regulations are tightening up everywhere, yeah. from Europe's GDPR, California's CCPA, um, those are the ones that get a lot of coverage, but there are others like New York's new DFS cybersecurity regulations, Virginia's new privacy laws. They really point to where things are going in the realm of privacy. And aside from the direct effect those business and legislative decisions have, um, there's really that intensified coverage that highlights to consumers the importance of privacy as an issue. And as consumers become more aware of how their data is being used across the web, they're taking action to take more control. And while I wouldn't say that marketers need to be worried, I do think they need to be paying attention and making sure that they have a plan for how to leverage data in a way that's compliant with those regulations um, and it's also in line with consumer sentiment. And that likely means a, a greater reliance on things like identity graphs mm -hmm. or segmentation. And while our discussion today is about customer-centric behaviors, that's really a big element, getting the, the right data and knowing that consumers are realizing the value of their own data 
um, the marketers who know that and return something to them for their data, kind of balance out that relationship, will be the ones who are in a good position. Yeah, because you figure a lot of these privacy regulations and laws that are kind of being enacted, they're because consumers are wanting more control over their information. Because if they feel like their privacy is intruded or something like that, they're not going to continue to do business with you. So, Yeah, and I, I think that the whole idea of data and how it's used, particularly in the digital world, is not really news to people at this point. The general population gets that um, companies are interested in their data. They use it to tailor advertising and messaging to them. And I think by and large, there's some acceptance of that as long as it's got some balance to it. So, um, you know, no, I don't want to see ads for things that are not relevant to me, but I don't want to see ads for something I just bought too. <laughs> right. Um, and you know, so if, if marketers can leverage data to provide relevant content and again, to provide some kind of value, but also ensure that there's not a misuse of consumers' data. Uh, I, I think that's really part of the consumer-centric mindset that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So one thing I want to touch on relates to industry giants, so to speak. So the pandemic, it's had a major negative effect on so many businesses, especially those that sort of fit into that small to mid-size range. But other companies have just absolutely exploded in popularity. And I'm talking about direct-to-consumer companies like Amazon, who were, they were already doing great, but with the consumer shift to even more digital practices, that just kind of added even more revenue to their already strong numbers. And we've seen uh, sales skyrocket for CPG products like alcohol, for example, and Anheuser-Busch is one of the biggest players in that space. When you're on the level of an Anheuser-Busch or Amazon as a company where you have a majority market share, why do you need to do things that put your customers and prospects at the center of your efforts? Do you really have to worry about competitors or loss of business? Absolutely. And okay. I, will, I will reinforce that answer with one word, blockbuster. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we all know Blockbuster and industry leaders that don't put the customers at the center, who don't change as consumers change, who have, you know, and who have missed out on consumer trends, put themselves at tremendous risk. Right. Now, now that said, the two large companies that you mentioned are continuously, if quietly, changing to address consumer trends. So we, you know, we tend to think of Amazon and Anheuser-Busch and companies like that as you know, kind of monoliths, but really they've been, you know, they've been evolving. Certainly Amazon went from selling books to selling everything right. to streaming content um, and more. And I mean, now they've just, they've just acquired uh, MGM studios. Mm -hmm. So they're, you know, constantly, constantly building what that brand is about. Um, so I, I think there is evolution there that is around consumer desires. And Anheuser-Busch, while we, we tend to think of you know, Budweiser, Bud Light as Anheuser-Busch, they've also quietly um, acquired a really wide portfolio of ciders 
and craft brews and things that are um, that are interesting to the growing elements of our population. So, you know, again, those, those large share companies may seem like they're just what they were 20 years ago, but there's, there is evolution. And I think that they maintain their success by doing that, even if it's in the background. But mm -hmm. yeah, I think that's that constant constantly evolving your brand I mean, and I think it's important to say that as a plural brands within you know the, the large umbrella so that you're um, you're flexible enough to pay attention to different groups of consumers wanting different um, different things out of your brand yeah even with uh, Amazon acquiring MGM Studios so MGM Studios would have had its own customer base built in and that customer base may or may not be Amazon customers. They probably are, but Amazon still will have to do the work to figure out what they're interested in, what makes them coming back to watch the uh, content that MGM was putting out. So like you said, they'll have to evolve, even though they already are on such a large scale and so well known with the everyday consumer. All of that is around understanding the consumer. What do they want? How do you, um, you know, when you log in, how do you get directly to content that is appealing to you versus having to scroll and scroll to find what you want? Um, make it easy. And I think that's, that's something that Amazon has shown themselves to be pretty adept at achieving. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, a great note for you to, to end on, Jeff. All right. It's been a pleasure and I appreciate you joining me for this episode. I'm always glad to join in, Monique. Awesome. So we're going to go ahead and take a quick commercial break. And when we come back, we'll be joined by Tim Truel and Sean Rogers from Lavage. You've heard us discussing how to be customer-centric on this episode of the podcast. And one easy way to do that is by implementing insights from a primary research study. One such study Claritas recently completed was all around vaccine hesitancy. We fielded this study with two primary objectives in mind. We wanted to help companies understand more about consumers who are hesitant to become vaccinated against COVID-19 and know more about the current attitudes of consumers who are ready to re-enter the marketplace after having received their vaccinations. The research data is now available and you can license those insights by filling out the Contact Us form on our website or talk to us about conducting a primary research study on another topic you're interested in. Visit claritas.com contact for more. And now back to the episode. We're back from our commercial break and I'm now joined by Sean Rogers, a client services director, and Tim Truel, a managing director of strategy, both from Lavage, an employee owned ad agency specializing in discovering and communicating insights which engage, motivate, and inspire. So Sean, Tim, welcome to the Marketing Insider. Thank you so much. Great to have you two here. So I gave that quick introduction of you two and Lavage, which is the agency you work for, but I'd love to hear if you could both share in your own words what your roles at Lavage entail and kind of shed a little bit more light on what Lavage does for its clients. So Sean, maybe we start with you? Certainly. I am Sean Rogers, and I am responsible for client service at Lavage. I'm kind of like the hub, so 
I'm the guy that's in between uh, strategy and planning. So I work really, really closely with Tim. Uh, the creative department, sometimes it's the public relations team, the digital strategy team, the media department, to pull all of that together and um, give some focus to our clients' uh, communications. Nice. And Tim? Yeah, so like Sean, I think Sean and I both kind of work horizontal across the agency, but we really are working with a lot of groups. So my role is to lead the research function uh, in the agency, also get involved in all the planning and strategic direction. And again, it, it is kind of working across the organization, making sure that, you know, if we were if we were an orchestra, I'm kind of the orchestra conductor trying to get the best music out of everyone that we can get. Nice. Uh, you two, you guys are well aware of this, but today's consumers, they generally have an abundance of choice when it comes to who they're giving their business to. And since this episode, we're talking all about being customer centric, what would you say Lavage thinks it means to support a customer centric strategy? One of the things I think that really is, is most important for an organization is that you've got um, First of all, you've got to have leadership buy-in and you've got to have buy-in across the organization. Uh, it can't be something that uh, marketing communications drives. It really does have to be something that the entire organization is committed to and that they really want to uh, be able to become that because it really does affect every aspect, whether it be the customer service center, whether it be operations, how they uh, de you know, devise services or products for their customers. Everything really has to be focused around that. And marketing communications can help that, certainly. And there's a lot of different tools that we can use to really get much more customer-centric. But uh, it's got to be an organization-wide kind of initiative. I'd probably add that it's, it's like three-dimensional chess because Lavage has to be customer-centric. And uh, our our clients have customers. And so, so you have to have this uh, focus and, and commitment to understanding and research and strategy. And it has to be owned by everyone. You know, it's not just the province of the, the research team. It's also something that you want your creative team to embrace. Yeah, exactly. If one part of the organization is focused on it, but the rest isn't, then it's not going to work. And I know Lavage works with clients across a wide range of industries. And one of those industries is utilities. Uh, and even though we just spoke about consumer choice and how much choice there is as a consumer with where you, where you spend your money and who you do business with, most people really have little to no choice when it comes to the utility company that they use. It's kind of dictated by either their region or where they're, where they're living. So in cases like that, what kind of service can you offer as an agency? That is sort of the rub, isn't it? Is that, um, you know, leadership for utility might say, well, why do we need to advertise? Because people really don't have a choice, you know, right. they, they can go ahead and take us, you know, they have to use this. But there's so many other factors that are in play there. Um, if it is a utility and you do have to uh, take on more capital uh, expenses, and those may have to be passed along to the customers because you're improving um, you know, the service, you're improving the, uh, the equipment that you have, you're doing those kinds of things. If you have a poor reputation or if you have poor feelings about things, then people are going to not be so happy about maybe a, a slight, you know, uh, increase in the use of their utility. And then the other piece of that is 
really about corporate citizenship, you know, is, you know, they're a neighbor. They're a good um, uh, community organization that uh, they want people to like and enjoy and respect what they do as an organization. So it's, it is important. But you, you did explain at the beginning of our conversation what it means to be customer-centric and how Lavage as an agency is actively helping its clients sort of achieve that. But what are some common missteps that you're seeing companies or brands make that act as what one might think of as the antithesis of being customer-centric? You know, one, one of the biggest things that customer or that uh, companies run into, I think, is that whole... they. Uh, talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Not all organizations have the will to do that. And the will means that, you know what, it's going to take time, resources, uh, sometimes a complete change in the attitude of the organization to be able to even adopt some sort of a customer-centric approach. So that's where it kind of goes back to originally what we talked about. It goes back to the leadership. It's got to be something driven from the top of the organization. And uh, they have to be able to get adoption across the organization to um, to make their employees feel that, you know what, having this kind of an approach is really not only good for our customers, but it's good for us as well. I spent quite a number of years in the retail environment using needs-based segmentation to better understand that walk into your store so that you can interact with them properly in a more relevant manner is increased important. And oftentimes, large organizations in particular are focused on their internal goals. So it might be, uh, we're supposed to be delivering more sales within this particular segment. But if maybe the um, knowledge base of your employees within a store uh, is not sufficient within that particular arena, they might have a hard time speaking to consumers about that product. The, the, the focus has to be what's the consumer's need and not what's my business mm-hmm. need. Mm-hmm. And that's so hard for people. I mean, everyone has their end goals that they want to achieve. But at the same time, on the internal side, if you don't have that structure set up where your own internal organization can support uh, those end goals, then you're not going to achieve them. So I'm looking at the, uh, the clock now, and I see we're getting a little bit close to the end of the time that we have left for this particular episode. But I do want to give a quick mention for those of you listening to the episode at home. Just make sure you head over to our website. We have a blog that we do every month called Beyond the Episode, and it basically takes some of the conversation that inevitably won't make this episode due to time constraints in terms it into a blog. So um, Tim and Sean will probably have to cut a little bit of our conversation today and add it to that blog, but it's a a great way for listeners to kind of get the full conversation and see what else we talk about. Um, But getting down to my last two questions for you guys, what's next for Lavage and the work you're doing with utilities and other industries out there? So one thing I can share with you, that I mean, this is really hot off the press kind of stuff, mm. is uh, one of the things that we do as an organization is we do some thought leadership research, which is, uh, um, you know, oftentimes it's attitudinal segmentation based on broader industries. So we've done it for the healthcare industry, and we just finished it for the education industry. 
And so what it does is that allows us to be able to say, okay, well, and it's so interesting now because of the pandemic is, you know, how do people, what are people's attitudes, especially continuing students, what are their attitudes about education today versus what they were before? You know, are they more inclined to look at a four-year degree? Are they more uh, opportunistic about saying, you know what, I'm flexible for whether it's a four-year or a tech school or online kind of thing, whatever. Or another thing that we're really finding is there's a large group of people that are just worried. They're worried about because what has happened to them over the last year, they're worried about, well, this career that I had that maybe I was laid off or, or whatever, is that going to sustain me into the future? And so there's a lot of really interesting information that's coming out of that. And so as we start gathering that and we start, uh, you know, pulling together some of the insights, uh, those kinds of things will be shared as just kind of some of the thought leadership that we use to you know, not only just, you know, as we're talking to new clients in that category, but also our existing clients on uh, is that something that can really help to inform their marketing communication messages. So that's hot off the press and that's something that we're just now working on and it should be, uh, we should have a report off of that within the next couple of months. Excellent. We we love an exclusive, uh, you know, you heard it first. <laughs> so we'll definitely keep an eye out for what you guys have got coming up. But to do so, we need to know where to direct our podcast listeners to. Where can they go to connect with you to? Where can they go to learn more about this research you're doing and basically just learn how Lavage can help them succeed in today's environment? Yeah, I mean, the, the website's the best place to go. So lavage.com. And if you want to uh, take a look at some of our um, thought leadership research, some of our industry uh, research that we've done, uh, go into the Industries tab. And there's a, a whole wealth of uh, different things that could uh, really kind of help inform you on, on what sort of things that you're doing. Perfect. And we'll make sure to link everything in our show notes so you guys listening have uh, an easy way to access everything. So, Tim, Sean, thank you for joining me today. Monique, thanks very much for inviting us on. And I think you're going to provide people with our contact information. So I, I hope uh, folks won't be shy about reaching out. People always think they just said that. They don't really mean it. But <laughs> we do. We mean it. Yeah. So you will see Sean and Tim's email addresses right in the show notes box. So make sure you click on those. And even if you just want to tell them how great they did on the podcast, go ahead and do that. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, that's all the time we have for today for this episode of the Marketing Insider. I want to thank my first guest, my fellow Clariton, Jeff Bickle. But again, a special thanks goes out to Sean and Tim from Lavage. And of course, thank you to those of you listening at home or on the go. If you've not already, please take a moment to follow the Marketing Insider so you never miss an episode. Rate us five stars on your podcast app of choice, our favorite being Spotify, and share us with a friend or colleague so we can keep the conversation going. And with that, we'll see you next time with a brand new episode. Bye now. Bye.